Acts 22, verse 16. Words spoken by a man named Ananias, a devout Jew who had believed on the name of Jesus Christ. He shared these words. He said, Now what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Wash your sins away, calling on his name. Ananias shared those words with someone very familiar to us in the New Testament, a man named Paul, St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, missionary Paul, church planter Paul, who at the moment that uh, Ananias shared these words was known as Saul. So great was the transformation Jesus made in his life that Jesus changed his name. The day of Paul's baptism was his dependence day. It was the day when he was announcing to the world he no longer lived for himself, followed his own agenda, but he was surrendering his life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. His baptism marked the end of one chapter and the beginning of a new chapter of his life with Jesus. And so over the next couple of weeks in the series Washed, we will be considering the ancient rite of baptism and the relevance and meaning that it has for us as believers today. If you've never been baptized, if you've never made that step of faith, we would encourage you to think about it, to study, um, to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and, and to show you what His will is for you over the next couple of weeks. Well, always, but especially over the next couple of weeks. And if you have questions about the meaning of baptism. Uh, uh, my prayer is that the Spirit of God will just help you understand, as believers have for the ages, the meaning that this has for us. For the next two Sundays, let me also just share this. We're going to do something a little bit different. Um, from 2 to 4 in the afternoon, my wife and I will be in the fellowship hall. A couple of our elders will be in the fellowship hall. And so basically, just come by and talk if you have questions or if you want prayers, or if you want to be baptized, we'll be here, and the water will be here. And so 2 to 4 this afternoon and next Sunday as well. You don't need to make an appointment. Just show up, and we'll talk, and we'll pray together. Well, this morning, what we're going to see is that ultimately baptism is an act of dependence, a decision to give up on trying to do it alone, trying to be the CEO of your own life, and, and surrendering to the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Our beginning place this morning, as we start our study, will be in the, the ending place of the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus shares his final words before ascending to heaven. Listen, Matthew 28. He said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I think we might dial the volume back a little bit. Sound good? Sounds a little tinny or something. Yeah, maybe that's... Thank you. I want you to think about what Jesus said there, because really... This idea of dependence is all through that passage. As he begins, all authority has been given to me, he says, on heaven and earth. That means I relinquish my authority, my right to control my world to Jesus. And I say, the authority is yours, Lord. 
When I'm baptized, I'm not seeking to make my name great. I am being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I am depending on Him. I am depending on His name. As Paul did, I'm, I'm calling on the name of the Lord instead of elevating my own name. And also, as Jesus told us in that promise, I will be with you now until the very end of the age. I'm expressing my dependence on His presence in my daily life today and in my future forever with Him. So everything Jesus taught there in His last words has to do with dependence on Him, that He is enough, that He is really all that I need. And so for believers over the centuries, baptism has been that, that landmark, okay? that marker event that says, I'm yours. I depend on you. I am not going to operate on my own apart from you. I trust you. I trust in your name. And so the day of a person's baptism is essentially their dependence day. The day they surrender to Jesus and live for something greater than themselves. Okay, you may have wondered what all this stuff is about over here. Well, I've got a, a lamp. I have a blender that I got out of the church kitchen this week. I found this power strip lying around somewhere. We all have power strips, probably multiple power strips in our home. We depend on those things to, to get our devices powered up and going. And I just want to use this to make a little bit of a point this morning. Um, one point is that, you know, a lamp, a lamp is still a lamp, whether it's plugged in or not. And a blender is still a blender, whether it's plugged in or not to the power strip. But... A blender doesn't do a very good job of blending unless it's plugged in, right? And, and a lamp doesn't do a very good job. In fact, it doesn't do any job at all of lighting anything as it was designed to do unless it is plugged in. But there you go. You plug it into the power source. You plug it into this power strip here. And the power strip is plugged into the electricity. The, the lamp comes on. Um, a blender plugged in. All of a sudden, there you go. Imagine I'm making a smoothie right now. You can mix, you can blend, my personal favorite, you can emulsify. So if you have any emulsification to be done, then get your blender plugged in and you can emulsify. What doesn't work well is, or doesn't work at all, right, is if, if, you, if, if you don't plug the power strip in or if you try to, you do plug it in, but you just kind of plug it into itself, right? I mean, it's not going to work at all if a power strip... Well, I think you see where we're going with this. Um, we were designed to live in connection with God. We were designed, we were dreamed up by God Himself to plug in to Him. To be connected to the gospel story. And that's when we come alive. That's when we begin to light up the world around us, is when we come into contact with God and we begin to live in dependence of God and what He has done for us. And I think that's why a power strip tells us a little something about baptism. Baptism is kind of that moment when you say, I'm plugging into God. I'm done trying to do this on, on my own. Then our full potential is released. Then we become fully alive. Then we are who we were always supposed to be. For centuries, 
since Jesus made his declaration about baptism, it has been this symbolic moment when we stop trying to plug into ourselves and we begin living in dependence of God, in connection to God. He is the source of life. He is the source of forgiveness. He is the source of meaning. He is why I can wake up in the morning, lift my head off the pillow, and have a reason to live no matter what's going on around me. He is the source of hope. He is the source of my promise of life after the grave. And at baptism, you make that declaration, I'm plugging into Jesus. I'm plugging into God. And many people are fatigued and frustrated and even wonder, what am I doing here really? What is, what's life all about? And the answer is that we live for Jesus and for the glory of God. In the ancient city of Philippi, Paul had been doing some mission work there, miraculous escape from prison, from bondage. He finds himself late one evening in the home of the jailer, in the home of the warden. And he begins to share with this, with this warden who is a, a complete unbeliever. He begins to share the story of Jesus. And amazing things happen when a responsive heart hears the story of Jesus. Acts chapter 16, verses 31 to 34. There in Philippi, they replied, this is Paul and his his partner, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. They shared the word of the Lord with them and, that all, and with all who lived in the household. Even at that hour of the night, we're talking 1, 2 a.m., even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds, and then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. They plugged into Jesus. Belief, faith, baptism, these are not separate things. These are not individual things that we can talk about separately from one another. They are linked together. They are married together. When the jailer and his family wanted to plug into Jesus, wanted to surrender to Christ, immediately they were baptized into Christ. They gave up on their ability to change themselves or transform themselves all on their own, and they chose to trust in the name of Jesus. Same thing happened when this fellow Christian missionary named Philip encountered a, a government official from Ethiopia. This guy was in his chariot. He was riding from southern Israel on a desert road down toward his home in Ethiopia. He was reading from one of the scrolls, uh, a scroll of the, of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. It was a prophetic scroll talking about Jesus, but the Ethiopian fellow had no clue what it all meant. Philip shows up. The Ethiopian asks him to join him there in the chariot, and Philip begins to explain the good news about Jesus. Acts chapter 8, verses 35 to 38. So beginning with that same scripture there in Isaiah, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. They rode along, came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. 
in the Greek city of of Corinth, a, a pagan city, Paul was teaching about Jesus, and it's recorded for us there in Acts 18.6. Many of the Corinthians who, who heard him believed and were baptized. Believed and were baptized. Belief followed by baptism. So from the earliest, very earliest days of the Christian church, when people became convinced that A, they were sinners, and that B, Jesus came to save them from their sins, they made this declaration of dependence. Baptism in the name of Jesus. They plugged their lives into the gospel. So the main idea, and really this is what we're going to be talking about for the next two weeks, this is what you really need to know about baptism. You may have other questions, but this is it. It is that the gospel, apart from Uh, or baptism rather, baptism apart from the gospel has no meaning, has no relevance, and has no real value. Baptism only makes sense when it is joined with the story of the gospel. That's what it's all about. In fact, the two ancient Christian rites or ancient Christian ordinances or sacraments, whatever your language you're comfortable with, with there, the Lord's Supper and baptism, both of those ordinances, rites, sacraments that Jesus established are centered around the gospel. When we take the Lord's Supper, which we did this morning, we remember the gospel. We remember the body of Jesus sacrificed for us. When we, when, we, when we witness a baptism, we're watching another gospel story, someone giving their life over to the salvation they received through the good news of Jesus Christ. So both of these moments, important for the church, are centered on the gospel. What is the gospel? Literally good news. Um, it is for us as believers the good news about Jesus. Um, Paul gives us a really simple definition of the gospel in John, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 2 to 5. Paul says this, By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. So by the gospel you are saved. Here goes. What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Numero uno here, in terms of importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So Paul makes it very clear. The gospel saves us. Not anything that we do or that we can do. The gospel saves us. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. On the third day, he rose from death. That's our hope. That's what saves us. Okay? So our salvation, our power that we plug into from God, the, the way that we light up and become fully alive as human beings was always intended to be through the gospel. Jesus died for our sins, was buried. On the third day, he rose. When we take communion, the Lord's Supper, or Eucharist, depending on your tradition, we remember that. 
When we witness a baptism, we remember that. The gospel is the center of gravity for believers. In fact, baptism is actually, check this out, baptism is actually a reenactment of the gospel. Write that down on your outline this morning. When someone is baptized, they are physically, symbolically reenacting the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You may have thought before, I think it's a completely legitimate question, why on earth would God ask people to get dunked in water? Okay? Why would Jesus want to get people to get wet? All right? It's because it is a reenactment of the gospel. He died for our sins. And when somebody stands in the baptistry, they are standing in a watery grave. And when they then go below the surface of the water for that moment, they're being buried with Jesus. As He was buried, when they come up out of the water, they are being raised to a brand new life. The end of the old, the beginning of the new. A new creation in Jesus Christ. So baptism is a visual, tangible, experiential, sensory reenactment of the gospel of Christ. Paul defined the gospel for us in 1 Corinthians 15. Now he shows us the connection, the connection between baptism and the gospel. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 6, he tells the Romans, Do you not know that all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into what? Into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead... Through the glory of God the Father, we too might live a new life. If we have been united with Him in His death, we will certainly be united with Him in His resurrection. Beautiful, right? So he's saying, Romans, don't you remember, when you guys were baptized, you were reenacting that story, the gospel story. By the way, just a little, a little footnote here. This is, this is essentially... Apart from the word baptism, baptizo in the Greek meaning immersion, this is really why we immerse and why early Christians immersed. That's why baptism is not sprinkling water on somebody's head um, because it is a burial. It is a reenactment of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I don't know about you, but it would creep me out a little bit to go to somebody's burial and they just throw a little dust on the cadaver. Okay, that would be weird. We bury, and that's what baptism is. It's a burial in Jesus. Um, in fact, Paul makes this point over and over again. One time he tells the, the Colossians. In Colossians chapter 2, 12 to 14, he says, Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead... When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. So he says, when you were baptized, you were buried with him. You plugged into Jesus. You were connected to the gospel story in that landmark moment along your faith journey. Um, in the New Testament... There's a lot of talk about baptism, but I can't think 
of really any place where the New Testament is trying to convince someone to, to be baptized. It's almost talk, always talking like the Colossians, the Romans. It's reminding Christians of that moment of their baptism. It becomes this point where they can reflect back on that and remember, wait, I'm plugged into God. I'm not living under my own lordship, under my own direction anymore. I can depend on God. So baptism is first and foremost a reenactment of the gospel story. Um, it is not something we perform, perform to earn God's forgiveness. It is the acceptance of God's forgiveness for us on the cross. So write this down. We've already talked about how it's a reenactment. Baptism is also an act of, it's an act of surrender. Baptism is you raising the white flag and surrendering to God. Paul, for example, this guy had fought the church, fought the church tooth and nail, given his life, essentially, his mission in life. Woke up in the morning, went to bed at night thinking about how do I fight Jesus and fight the church? He went around arresting Christians. He put them in jail. He had them put to death. Um, he held the coats at the, as people were stoning Stephen so they could get a little better throw on those rocks they were throwing at Jesus' followers. Stephen, he was a guy who lived to destroy Jesus and his church. You remember his conversion? Paul is on his way to Damascus, Syria. Purpose, let's arrest some more Christians. There on that road outside of Damascus, Jesus knocks him on his face. Blinds him. And in the very first statement that Paul ever utters to Jesus, Paul recognizes the lordship of Jesus. It's a surrender to Jesus. He may not have known exactly who it was that blinded him at that particular initial moment, but he says in Acts chapter 9, verse 5, Lord, he says, Lord. And then in Damascus, we're told by Ananias that Paul is to be baptized, quote, calling on the name of the Lord. Lordship, surrender, a recognition of the authority of Jesus, not just over heaven and earth, but over himself. Paul turns his life around. You talk about surrender, 180 degree turn from trying to destroy the church to preaching the good news to the Gentiles. An act of surrender. He's done fighting with Jesus. He's done trying to take matters into his own hands. He's no longer his own Lord. Now he surrendered his life to Jesus. Next, write this down. Baptism is also, beyond being an act of surrender, baptism is an act of desperation. This may not sound appealing to you, or it may totally connect with you this morning. I don't know, but it's true. Baptism is an act of a desperate person. Okay? Um, the greatest number of people baptized in the New Testament, of course, is in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people. They have just heard this sermon preached by Peter about Jesus, who had just, just been crucified there in the city of Jerusalem. And they knew that they were responsible, personally responsible, for the crucifixion of Jesus. And now they're convinced 
He was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. We put him to death. And so they are deeply convicted. Cut to the heart. That they were sinners. Guilty before God. Look at what happens. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 37. When the people heard this, the sermon by Peter, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the other apostles, What do we need to do? These are desperate people. And that's a desperate question. What, what do I need to do? Peter replied, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, it's for your children. And it's for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he, Peter, warned them. He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who have accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number on that day. These are desperate people who realize they are guilty before God of sin. What a scene, what a mess, what mayhem, what chaos. But how beautiful was that as they made their declaration of dependence on God. They knew it was hopeless without His grace. And so connecting themselves with the gospel, connecting themselves with that story of Jesus in baptism, they were celebrating that their sins were washed away. And that the very person of God, the Holy Spirit, had come to dwell in them. They received the gift of the Spirit. Next, baptism is an act of obedience. Very simply, it is an act of obedience. And nobody shows us this more clearly than Jesus himself, right? I mean, Jesus comes to John the Baptist. Um, you don't get that nickname, by the way, the Baptist without baptizing a bunch of people. So all these people from Jerusalem and Judea and even down from Galilee, people are coming from all over, out in the middle of nowhere, to the Jordan River to hear this fiery preacher. And he would take them in the river and baptize them as they repented of their sins. And one day Jesus comes. John sees Jesus in the distance. And John knows who Jesus is. This is the one sent from God. This is the one who is... So far above me, John basically says, I'm not, you remember what he says? I'm not even fit to untie his sandals. <laughs> I'm not worthy to be in the same room with this guy. And Jesus comes to John the Baptist and he says, John, take me in the river and baptize me. You guys remember John's response? Uh-uh. <laughs> no. I'm not worthy to baptize you. You baptize me. And then Jesus says, Matthew 3, verse 15. Jesus said to John, it, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. 
Now, here's the thing. We're going to be diving into the, you know, into the Word like we're doing today, and we'll do it again next week. We're going to be diving into a lot of Scriptures, and, and I think we're really going to understand the meaning, the symbolism, the meaning, the reenactment of the Gospel, how that joins us to God's story. But check this out. Even if you don't understand all of that, even if you can't pass a pop quiz on the meaning of baptism, you can still go, wait a second, I know it's in the Bible. I know God wants me to do this. And that's enough for me. It can be for you quite simply. However much you understand about the rich meaning and symbolism of baptism, it can be for you a simple act of obedience. Trusting in God. You know what? If Jesus, who had no sin, said to John, I need to do this to fulfill God's will, then how much more do we need to say, yeah, you're the Lord, I'm going to follow you in this. Beautiful humility, by the way. Jesus, who has no sin, by the way, the only person baptized in the history of the world who had no sin. And that's why John objects initially. He's like, wait, you're, you're the one. You're the Messiah, not me. He understands he's nothing compared to Jesus. And here comes Jesus saying, John, you've baptized all these other people. It's my turn. Let's go in the river. I need to be baptized. What humility in that for Jesus to come to John. Next, baptism is, if you haven't gotten this already, baptism is an act of faith. It's really what it is. Um, we've already seen this. Baptism follows belief always. Um, that's why we don't baptize babies here. They don't believe. They don't believe much of anything except I'm hungry or my diaper's dirty, okay? Baptism is an act of faith. It is an act of belief. Um, every time you see it in the New Testament, it is married to it is a response, a faith response to the Lord. Finally, a lot of times people talk about baptism. This is really important this morning. A lot of people talk about baptism like it is a work that I do. Okay? Like, yeah, 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 God has done all this stuff, and, and God is, has, has, I mean, it's amazing all that he's done. Now, my part is to be baptized. I think that is a gross misunderstanding of baptism in the New Testament. Um, baptism isn't your work, okay? It is not your act. Baptism at its heart is, final thing on the, on the outline this morning, baptism is an act of God. Baptism is an act of God. When Jesus, back to Jesus, when he was being baptized in the Jordan River, do you remember who showed up? Who was there? The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. When Jesus was being baptized, the voice of his Father from heaven, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Even Jesus' baptism was this act of God 
So ultimately, baptism is about the gospel. It's about the work that Jesus accomplished on our behalf on the cross. It is not something that we do to earn our salvation. It is not our step in the process. Baptism is trusting what God did. It's trusting in that ultimate act of God. The giving of himself for us. Amen? Baptism is an act of God. And for those of us who've put on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we think back on our baptism as this, as this landmark moment. The moment we understood that we don't live for ourselves. We live for Him. And that our power is not plugging into ourselves. Our power, our hope, it comes from plugging into Jesus. We stand by His grace, not by our goodness. We have hope because of His promise, not because of our performance. And that's what baptism is about. That surrender to what God has done on our behalf. And if you haven't Put your faith in Jesus. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready to take that step? Are you ready to mark this, this moment in your faith journey where you surrender to Jesus and you join your story to the gospel story, the greatest story ever told? Are you ready to make your declaration of dependence in the name of Jesus Christ? Are you ready to have your old life of sin buried in the cleansing waters and begin a new life powered by the Holy Spirit? You can make that decision today. You can make it right here. You can make it right now. Once again, you can come by at 2 to 4 o'clock this afternoon and we can just talk and, and pray. And, and you can be baptized this afternoon. But for all of us, whether you already are a believer or whether whatever point of that journey you're at, May we live today and always in response to the gospel of Christ. Let's stand and let's worship together.